Hello, and welcome to the MCAP Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today we're joined by two gentlemen from Four Score Beer Company in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Wade Leedy, the founder and owner, and Ben Little. You know, I didn't ask what your official title is. I don't know. Head Brewer. That works. Okay. <laughs> and then Head Brewer Ben Little, who has been on in the past, so welcome back. Thank you. And uh, thank you for coming down, Wade. Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of people expected um, Fourscore to be uh, have really good beer because everyone had high expectations of what Ben was going to do. I feel like it was a very highly anticipated opening, and it was cool that you guys um, – you did a great job of documenting on social media, like showing progress along the way. So it was kind of cool. We, everyone got to come along for the ride a little bit. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Wade. Um, what, <coughs> well, what, what, what have you been doing? What, what, what were you doing up to the point where you decided you were going to open Fourscore? Uh, we, I co-owned Fourscore with my okay. brother and we also co-owned Tommy's Pizza in Gettysburg as well. <clears throat> uh, Tommy's was opened in, my grandfather opened it in 1973, so Drew and I were born into the restaurant industry and raised in the restaurant industry, and then my parents bought it from my grandfather, and now we bought it from my parents, so, you know, that's what we were doing, and we had this idea going back, I don't know, probably a good five to seven years ago to do something like this. Uh, our current Tommy's is, 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 we've outgrown the space, but there's really nowhere else to go, uh, you know, and, and we looked at this for a long time, um, and it finally materialized with four score. So that's a, that's that in a nutshell. <laughs> so it, it, was it a combination? Like, have you always wanted to own a brewery or open a brewery or was it just? No, like, when uh, I graduated, I was in college. So I spent four years in college and graduate, graduated, uh, I had a degree in political science. I was actually going to go to law school. I had taken the LSATs and all that good stuff. Um, got out of school and then realized I didn't want to go back to school. So I went and talked to my grandfather and uh, he said, just come work in the business, family business, you'll be fine. So at that same time, I believe uh, I started getting into better beer. Because when you're in college, you know, everybody knows what you drink when you're in college. Milwaukee's best. Yeah, Milwaukee's best. And our our, our house beer was Keystone Light. See, our, our fancy <coughs> beer was Rolling Rock. Because, I, I mean, we weren't that far from Latrobe. Every once in a while, we would, buy a, uh, we'd buy a keg of uh, Michelob, depending on how much money we made from parties that the previous <laughs> night. If you're really living yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I got into better beer. I think one of the first, outside of Sam Adams, beyond that, uh, Trogue's Pale Ale was was uh, probably the first true craft beer I think I had, had ever drank. Uh, I can't quite remember the year. I know we had started carrying it at Tommy's. At that point in time, it was something new, and I was 21, 22, I think, at that point in time, and started drinking it. And then at one point in time, I bought a case of Trogue's, uh, it was their mixed case, and then I had a hop back, and it blew my mind. And then I was like, "All right, now I'm getting into this." So I got into it heavy, and I and loved that beer for the longest time. Same, I still do. Yeah, it's, um, it's still good to get. Uh, but Nugget Nectar, though, that's oh yeah, the, I absolutely love that beer. So I got into good beer, and then drug my brother into good beer. Um, we turned over the, the the beer business at Tommy's into a craft focus. Uh, we didn't have taps. I begged my dad to put a tap system in. He was resistant to it, and he finally said, "All right, you can do it, but you gotta." You can't serve in glass. We got, he didn't want to mess with glasses. So we were all plastic at that point. And I said, well, I'm not doing it if, you, if I'm not allowed to serve in glass. So then we went back and forth, and then he finally gave in. 
<laughs> and I came up with a way to, uh, you know, system to have the glass so it wasn't out all over the place and, and people could handle it because we don't have enough room. We, we wash everything by hand. We don't even have an automatic dishwasher just for our regular dishes at Tommy's. So we put in six taps and then I believe like Bud Light and Lager were both part of the opening tap list. And then people were like, you got to put more in, you got to put more in, just only craft beer, only craft beer. So then that's what we did. Uh, a year later, my parents went on vacation in Florida for a month and a half, two months, and I put four more taps in without telling them. <laughs> so it's, everything just kind of exploded from there. Um, <clears throat> at that point in time, Gettysburg was kind of a, a craft beer wasteland, you know, for lack of a better term. And then uh, Yeah, because there was just that one brewery. What, um, oh, what's the name? Of, I don't remember. The Battlefield name. Brewworks. Well, they weren't. They were, was. There, was a, there was a brew pub downtown. For a while, Gettysburg Brew Pub, I think it was called, or Gettysburg okay. Brewing Maybe Company or something. Someone. And then that gentleman had retired and moved out of the area. And there was uh, Gettysburg as well. Uh, I had visited there once and never went back. <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's just from our love of, of craft beer and bringing something new into the in the Tommies. And then we're like, hey, like maybe, maybe we should let's try to open up a brewery. You know, Gettysburg's a great spot to do it, and we think it's a great spot to do it. And we see, I think it's between four and six million visitors a year. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, it <clears> seems <throat> like a weird place for there not to be yeah. breweries. Because I'm willing to bet that even if it's just a small fraction of those four to six million people, that some of the people going to Gettysburg for the um, Civil War stuff still like to drink craft beer. It is. It was one of those things where the, the demographics had shifted, too, for the folks coming to to, to visit to Gettysburg, the, the age had continually gone up. So, you know, baby boomers were, are not going to be around, you know, for another 20 years and visiting Gettysburg and Gettysburg had started to transition itself as well. The local convention and visitors bureau has done a fantastic job at marketing the, you know, the agriculture and the craft beverage scene in the area. So, you know, we just jumped on the train and said, Hey, let's bring something new and something interesting to this town and went for it. How how big is Tommy's? Tommy's is half the size of size of Fourscore. How big is Fourscore? Four Fourscore is four thousand two hundred yeah. square feet, okay. and Tommy's is like just shy of twenty two hundred square feet. Uh, we have a great location. The building is just small, and the, and the location is is awesome because we're at a crossroads between two major you know roads in town on the south end of town, where a lot of the the, the Civil War battlefield kind of lays you know within two hundred yards of us, but um. It's a triangle lot, and we have a building that sits kind of in the middle of it, and we can't do anything. Parking's tight. Okay. Uh, the building's too small. We ran out of space eight years ago. Is I it mean, we have stuff stacked on top of stuff. <laughs> Is it more of like a dine-in pizza place or like an order-out We do have 80, we, we have 80 seats, 80, 85 seats somewhere in that okay. neighborhood. Uh, we, have, we have a drive-through window. We do offer delivery. So we do a little bit of everything there. We're just – it's a busy place. Um. That's one thing I miss about Pennsylvania is that there seems to be way more of those mom and pop type pizza places than especially where I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, whereas down here there aren't nearly as many. And even if there are, they're not even close to the type of pizza that's at the pizza. Do you do hoagies too? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. The, your typical Pennsylvania pizza and hoagie place is way different than anything you can get down here. Well, that's 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 what we are, and I think, uh, you know, anytime I make a post on 
our social media for Tommy's and the first hashtag is always mom and pop pizza joint. <laughs> that's what we are. Yeah. You know? Um, so the, I, this is what been two years in the works sure. for four score, at least what <laughs> like when you signed on or was it even longer than that? It was probably a little longer than that, honestly. Um, yeah. Cause you were, you were one of our original guests, I think. I mean, we, it was like, a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even like, just double digit episodes but yeah i mean it was kind of we looked at multiple locations before we settled on this one and i think some of it was finding the right fit uh long term you know and something that we could either grow into or be what we are from day one and the first couple just didn't work out so even when i had signed on it actually kind of fell through at one time and uh then a location that was literally, you know, within a stone's throw of Tommy's opened up. It had been open for a while. And these guys never really thought of it as a potential brewery. They thought of it as maybe storage space or something like that, office space. And when the mentality of maybe this could work as a brewery came into play, then I came back into the fold. Okay. And the zoning was wrong on it as well. Yeah. So the, the building was vacant. It, hit, it actually, when I was growing up in Gettysburg, it was a beer distributor for a very long time. And then it turned into an auto parts store, and then it went. It was sat vacant for a good five to seven years, but the zoning wasn't right. It was zoned um, residential, but it had always been a commercial property. So you're just looking the other way for the longest time. Or uh, we looked at it. We, we we looked at it, and then we went and talked to a municipal lawyer, and he said, you know, guys, you, you could spend twenty thousand dollars with me and, and to try to get the zoning changed, and, and there's no guarantee it happens. He's like, I, I I'd hate to take your money. Yeah. So then. Um, I guess it was the gentleman that owned the building finally went to the borough and said, hey, your zoning is creating a hardship. I can't sell this because it's not zoned properly, but it's always been a commercial building. Yeah. And then thankfully, the borough decided to work with him and, and they did a comprehensive zoning change throughout the town for a couple other properties that would just had funky zoning like that and did a couple of fixes. And So he did, did things that made sense? <clears throat> Yeah, they did. That's amazing. Which was f for Gettysburg. Pro props is, to Gettysburg. It's <laughs> is, is something new. It's is definitely something new. They have been coming around. Um, you know, there's the old guard has maybe kind of sort of stepped aside a little bit. Okay. There's some younger folks on borough council, and there's some younger folks leading the charge. You know, let's let's do things the sensible way. We don't have to always be, you know, this is the way it's been, and this is the way it's going to be, and this is the way it's always going to be. That's a, they always talk about um, Frederick. Having like the good old boy Frederick and the old guard, I bet Gettysburg is definitely oh, worse than what Frederick would be. It, it, <laughs> there, there are plenty of stories. Um, all right, we're going to take a real quick break to thank our sponsor, and um, when we get back. I, I, I just want to learn like how did you two get hooked up to sure to have to recruit Ben? I guess basically. So we'll be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? All right, so how was it that 
um, you end up, how, how did you two get hooked up together? I guess we'll just say it that way. <laughs> a late night Twitter DM. <laughs> and that's the God's honest truth. Wait, swiped right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Pretty much so on that one. No, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, I guess, kind of connected us or put planted the idea in Wade's head. And Wade, one night, I mean, midnight, 1230-ish, just reached out. I don't know if I saw it that night or the next morning, but, you know, I'd just left Manor Hill and um, was kind of interviewing around a few places, and this popped up. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm open to every opportunity. So went up there, met, and it was it was pretty easy for me to see that it was the right fit. You know, it was the best opportunity what I had, and it was a good fit for me personally um, and professionally. You were on episode 19, 19. May 28th, 2017, <laughs> a little bit ago. That's crazy. Um, so it, it seems like it was a good decision for both of your parts. Um, so actually, right now, I want you to talk about this beer. We don't always go into complete detail on what we're drinking, but as, as I said when we were opening, I, I picked this because it wasn't the 13% beer that you right. brought for me to drink at 11 a.m., um, but just because I simply it was it was a hellish lager, it was going to be light and easy to drink and low alcohol, but I had no idea how interesting and good it was going to be. Um, so can you just explain this beer a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that these guys allowed me to do was get some uh, mixed fermentation in the brewery. So we have three custom-made fooders from Fooder Crafters of America. All have stainless steel cone bottoms on them. Um, the one that this beer is made in has a chilling cone, so it actually has a glycol loop that runs through a plate that exchanges the temperature. It allows me to control the temperature in it. So I have a series of loggers that are made in there um, that are kind of a throwback to the mentality of what I see beer being made 300 plus years ago, where there is a level of temperature control, but it's not ideal in the way and exact in the way that we would deal today and it's not as exactly clean so you know they're using some of the same yeast strains and stuff like that but there's some other you know wild organisms getting in there this one has our uh, house culture of brett in it um and it goes in there and it's fermented a little bit warmer than normal but not much we're only talking a few degrees um the brett really comes into play when we let the temperature raise up a little bit and then we chill it back down for a little while so it's a uh, you know a series of beers that are kind of based in history and even the styles are based in history but there might be a small addition of a grain that wasn't available uh you know hundreds of years ago just to add a little bit more complex and you know i i guess just a little more attention to what beer can be even if we take something historical and make it new again so is this a, t a typical thing to do or is this just you messing around and and hitting a home run it's one of those weird things that just popped in my mind you know how can we take these fooders and do something that is kind of outside of the norm and something that is still rooted in a good story and still have something that's approachable to a lot of folks you know a beer like this isn't too over the top it's not too funky it's not too tart it's not too anything it's just a really nice easy drinking beer but there's some complexities in this that i can't get in a normal fermentation cycle so you said that you um you have one of the fooders just dedicated to doing this with absolutely but what are the um, have have the other ones? Um, I love it. so. I I'll just go completely off topic for a second. There used to be quiet people in the studio next to in the office next to our studio. 
Now they're really loud. I don't <laughs> think the mics are picking up, so people won't know what we're talking about, but it's really distracting. Um, yeah, wall. just bang on the wall <laughs> and yell, shut up. <laughs> um, have you released anything else that was done in the Fooders, or are they longer-term aging? There was one more beer that was released, and it was a Dunkel to start, and okay. we that was intentional to try to knowing Just the seasoning of the well, Fooder. Absolutely. So making a beer that may not be as seasonally relevant, but getting some of that wood character into the beer where it integrates more, where the second round, there's definitely some wood character to it, but it's more on the undertone than it is like right in your face. What, what sorts of things do you have planned for those? I just kind of go seasonally. Right now, I have a Tamave Pivo in there. I don't um, know what that is. So it's a Czech dark lager. <laughs> Imagine like a Schwartz beer with a little less roast and a little bit more caramel, bready. Okay, so in. one that tastes good. Yes. <laughs> There's some really good Schwartz beers out there, but it's a tough style. It's a tough style. Yeah, I, I hate um, smokiness in beer. Yeah. Not so, a fan at all. No. This, this is much more, um, it has that coffee roast character to it, but it's got a lot more caramel, bready undertone to it. So, and, and I fermented this one a little bit warmer. I also let, you know, the Brett character kind of come into play a little bit longer in it. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, pretty nice, fruity, a little funky, but not too over the top still. But, you know, it's, it's always with the mentality of whatever that specific beer is. And then next time around, we'll see seasonally, you know, kind of what's there and what feels good and what feels right. I've been trying to plan on a, like, there's a historical style I found called Pennsylvania Porter which is lagered and very corn forward. And we use, um, we use Deer Creek malt, malt house wherever possible in the fooder specifically, which is a Pennsylvania malt house. Um, they make some fantastic stuff. So we get some malted corn from them. So I figured it'd be kind of a good way to start integrating that into this series as well. So that's something that I'm playing with here, maybe next or maybe after that. It, is malting a little bit further along in Pennsylvania than it is in Maryland? It's like, and like black clouds definitely made strides, but they're they're limited on what that they can. How I think it's how dark they yeah. can go, right? It's the same there. Um, okay. These guys have. I went up and visited their operation. It's pretty impressive. It's small. It's very small, but they have a storage container that they line with wood and basically have a kiln inside. Um, so their darkest roast actually has you'll find a multitude of different kind of roast levels in it because you know stuff at the bottom is different than the top but mixed together it makes a fantastic product okay yeah the first um first schwartz beer i ever had was dog schwartz so that made me think like every like that schwartz beers were just that disgusting like smoky should be a barbecue sandwich (laughs) instead of a beer and i know people love those but they're repulsive to me so i was shocked the first time i had a schwartz beer and enjoyed it because i had always thought that they like that just they were all smoky yeah this is what they know so i i'm i i think it's a style that easily goes you know the wrong wrong direction very fast so for that yeah that's one reason i went towards that tamave pivo it's integrating something that works well in what we're trying to do with it and also something that's a little bit more approachable so that um you seem to be doing like a real nice mixture of classical and um, I don't know, like hype fanboy slash type beers. Is that um, just like what you want to be doing, or like the demographic of customers in Gettysburg kind of require that? Both, both. Um, I mean, I really enjoy doing both sides. Um, it keeps me on my toes, keeps me kind of sharp, and, and, and allows me some creative flexibility there. So that's always a really great thing. So I think that 
what we figured out is at any given point, you know, six, we have 14 taps. Six of those beers are pretty classically driven beers, and the other eight are they shift all around and that's i think that's always a real nice mix to have and it gives people the ability last night our pilsner was our top seller a week ago this beer was our top seller the day before that our fruited sour was so it's kind of all over the place on that side of things which is great to see as well because people aren't attaching themselves to specifically one beer they're really trying the, the, the whole you know mix of what is there do you watch all those types of things closely? Like w- what's selling the best? And do you, do you keep track of where your customers are coming from? Like is your point of sale? We don't know you? where the customers are coming from. Okay. I mean, you see some familiar faces. We see familiar faces. Yeah. Then, then you hear chatter on, you know, just out there on the internet. But we do track. The, our point of sale system is awesome. Um, it's arrived. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. They were, it was a couple of guys from Avery Brewing Company that left Avery Brewing Company and developed this this point of sale system specifically for brew pubs and breweries. Those almost always <clears throat> seem to be the best yeah. systems. Like and someone worked in the industry, like, because that's the way, like, most um, newspaper specific software is almost always a company that was formed by someone who worked at a newspaper was like, my God, all this software is yeah. awful. I'm just going to do it myself and then start selling it. And it's great. The, the, the POS is great. The drill down reporting is, is amazing. You know, we can look all the way down to how many ounces of a certain beer. Uh, it, it's not driving us to tell Ben what to make. We're not even really telling Ben what to make. Honestly, my brother and my philosophy was, you know, let the creative people be creative. Yeah. Just cut them well, loose and good, let them go. And we knew we had had Ben's beer when he was at Manor Hill and we liked it. So we knew Ben made good beer and he liked to make the kind of beer that we like to drink. So it was like, you pretty much have free reign here. It's, you know, it's, take this thing and turn it into a Corvette, basically. So is it, was that, like, why you reached out to him? Because you had had his beer before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we when we started talking about doing this, like, I had homebrewed, and then people, when we had talked about it, people were like, were you going to be the brewer? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no way that I can step up from brewing five gallons at a time to, you know, a seven-barrel, ten-barrel system. That's just not going to happen. So we had said we weren't going to do this unless we could find somebody and, and just, you know, through coincidence, basically, I guess, luck, chance, whatever you want to have it. And that's how we ended up getting a hold of Ben. Uh, you already answered what one of my next questions was going to be, but um, we'll, we're going to take another quick break to thank our sponsor, and um, then we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into what I wanted to ask you. The NCAP Podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for Crowler and Growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. So, Wade, I was going to ask you, um, do you, did you ever do any type of brewing? So you already answered that, saying you you homebrewed yeah i did like, homebrew do you do a lot of like an avid homebrewer or just like a <clears throat> little bit of a hobby it was a hobby but i did get into it pretty hot and heavy for probably a good two years uh i did win a, a local competition with two beers actually once and that was actually the last time i think i've a homebrewed 
Just I took those two beers to a competition out on in top. Pennsylvania, and then <laughs> I don't think I've touched it since. So, and actually, I've lent out some of my old equipment, but my equipment wasn't, you know, it was it was ghetto equipment. It was put together. It was a, a cool mash tun cooler and a, you know, a keg that I had somebody cut the top off of me for a boil kettle. So, you know, but no, yeah, I, I mean, did a... Go th- there's a lot of um, very large popular breweries that will have like their, what they got started on enshrined on the tour and they all, mo- just about all of them are ghetto systems. Yeah, it, it <laughs> definitely is. Um, how was your first batch that you home brewed? It was an extract batch. I think it was a pale ale. I remember bottling it and probably in my basement there are still bottles of it somewhere. If I went down there and <laughs> dug around a little bit. So I did two extract batches, and then I had just consumed everything I could on the internet, and I was like, I'm going to do this all-grain stuff. Nobody, I didn't know anybody else at home brewed, um, so I just dove in headfirst and just went for it. And then the first – I can't remember what the first all-grain batch I did. It may have been an IPA, and it turned out all right, but it was uncomfortably bitter. And then <laughs> I finally got in and was like, all right, I don't understand why my beers are turning out this way. So then I got into water chemistry. And once I got into water chemistry, it completely changed everything. So, and then by the time I got all that figured out, then I stopped brewing. <laughs> are there um, are there any home brew shops in Gettysburg? No, okay, there aren't. Yes, yeah, so that makes it a little bit harder. Well, the too, closest one is, I guess, is the Flying Barrel still down here in Frederick? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was the closest. There was one in Chambersburg for a while, but I don't know that that's open anymore. Yeah, and they're a little bit closer to Gettysburg now. Yeah. Well, I mean it moved a while ago but from when you would have been there mm-hmm. they're a little bit closer to you now so if you ever want to homebrew you can <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get my equipment back yeah um did the did the thought ever cross your mind to to brew professionally or are you have like my mind no space where you're like i'll just let someone who does this professionally yeah take that's care where i was at i just knew that you know i had been around it enough and had seen how things you know on a larger scale and i was like there's just I don't have the knowledge for that, you know. It, it, would it have been nice to do? Absolutely, but in the end, I was just like, I just there's no way I can do this and and make good beer. You know, I, I, how many batches of beer would I have to dump? Yeah. You know what I mean? And money down the drain before I figured this thing out. And there's other people that have done that too. And hats off to them for doing it. But it, plus, I was busy with work and kids at the same time too. So it was one of those things where it just wasn't going to fit in. Yeah, I it was. Um, I was recently talking to someone about that transition of home brewing to um, professional brewing and that no matter how good of a home brewer you home brewer you were that you're still like there's a ceiling kind of that you need a professional to get you past because there's just so much you don't know from working on a small system to then working on in a production brewing environment would you agree with that ben as the as the only professional in the room (laughs) (laughs) that's a loose term um but absolutely i mean there's just so much more you can dial in and so much more that you have at your disposal in in a professional brew house you know these guys kind of especially with what we got now they they let me choose everything and it I pretty much got everything, um, and it, but it's made my transition a lot easier. You know, we've been able to put pretty quality beer out right off the bat, but that's one of the things that with, you know, real professional equipment, real quality stuff, you are able to make quality beer. Yeah. So how, how much of the equation do you think um, the, the equipment is? So, like, um, will you – the other professional in the room will pick on Graham. 
so like photographers will there's always like the insult of if you see a good picture like wow you must have a really nice camera and then it's like you know that's a big insult i could take just as good a picture with any camera you hand me is that the same way with brewing equipment or is it just that you could be so limited on the equipment that no matter how good you are better equipment's going to make a better product i think i think a good brewer can make good beer on anything i think that a an average brewer can make great beer on great equipment okay so i think that it there there are variables on both sides obviously but i think that you put a great brewer with great equipment and the beer is going to be you know spectacular through and through for the most part so if you have top of the line equipment it could be a crutch even to uh halfway is that is that because of how much automation and everything there is that it's oftentimes just the consistency that it offers okay i think that's one of the biggest things is if you actually understand how to use your equipment even if you don't understand the the process of brewing or your ingredients that well the the consistency that the equipment provides can actually to me at least you know have somebody who's an average brewer make great beer like with all the software and things that can develop recipes easily and the the technology behind high-end some of that and and just the engineering in general it's 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 you know most of the engineering made to make this equipment is designed to make great beer it's designed for a specific purpose and to actually make it work sometimes it you know you're already doing it you know what i mean that's i um when union opened up their new brewery like I, I had asked Kevin, I was like, so when you're up here, when we're up on the brew deck and it's that big, huge touch screen, and I was like, so can you, you control the whole brew house from right here? And he's like, well, I mean, I could do that from my phone. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I can mm-hmm. kick off a batch on my way into work. I was like, I'm not going to, but if I really needed to, I could just pull out my phone, dial up the <laughs> – I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty amazing. And it's pretty great stuff. It's great. Hey, you know, they got, they got top-of-line BrowCon stuff, and it's – perfect for what they do they do some fantastic work out there yeah it was the i think it like trogues was the first tour i ever went on when um i saw a system like that and i just i guess i had never thought about how like you could brew beer by just loading a recipe into a program clicking run and it just yeah all you have to do is put in the right ingredients in the right slot and it's gonna it's like a bread maker yeah <laughs> The consistency that provides, especially on their level, is, you know, you, you can't you can't put a, a value on that. Yeah, because you know, people expect the same thing every time they drink that, and that absolutely provides them the ability to do that. So, yeah, I guess I, if you're doing everything manually, you're not probably not going to make perpetual IPA exactly the same every time you brew it. We're people. We're inconsistent. It's our nature. I'm extremely. So I, <laughs> I definitely know I would screw it up. Um. We're going to take one real quick last break, um, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the equipment because I think that is, at least from the pictures I've seen, one of the impressive things. Like, you guys went all in. so We did. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like it may have caused a little bit of heartburn. (laughs) A little bit. Um, So we'll be right back. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. 
Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. So it really, um, from the outside looking in, looks like you spared no expense. And you have basically everything. Um, So I... That must make you very happy, Ben. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm a one-man show, too. So, Oh, that helps. I mean, that pr- definitely helps yeah. a lot with the budgeting, I assume. Th- there was, well, even that, it, a lot of this was done with the intent of one person being able to run the entire brewery, if need be. And that's the way it's been so far. Um, and I, having, again, having equipment that's top of the line allows consistency on a lot of different levels yeah. allows take some of the work and the worry out of my hands so i'm able to do multiple things at one time knowing that there are some things in place that kind of make up for that yeah it's just it's going to you don't have to babysit it it's going to work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's a big thing and and i mean the the folks for the most part who we purchase stuff from i mean they're incredibly responsive um you know they own up to you know if something like there was some manufacturing flaws in some of our equipment they came out they fixed it everything gets taken care of the response with the great folks so like that's another side of things that with top line equipment you get the responsiveness you get somebody who backs their product up too yeah we uh, there's definitely some stuff we purchased here when we built this new building that um did not have the, the companies did not have that same level of support and we are what we are from day one. The building is what it is. Um, so instead of like looking at this growth model where we're always kind of playing catch up, these guys made the investment from day one to put something in that makes sense. There's no shifting things around. There's no like, oh, we're out of beer. There's there's none of the problems that some folks run into while mm-hmm. looking at you know budget constraints and building something like this. So the how large of a brew house is it? It's a seven. It's okay. a seven barrel, but the the actual kettle has 100% headspace in it, so we can go a little bit bigger on that when we need to. Okay. Um, what size are the fermenters? I have, on the clean side of fermentation, I have three seven barrel and four 15 barrel. On the mixed culture side, I have a stainless dedicated over there, seven barrel, and I have three of the fermenting fooders. Okay. So you have a couple, I'm guessing the Pilsner is double batched and um, I don't know what to guess. The it's, other ones. <laughs> it's basically our Pilsner, our house IPA hop hat, and okay. then whatever special release beers we have for that month. Okay. Um, so, and in, in you went canning line right off the bat. Do you, do you already distribute at all or, or do you have plans to, or is it going to always be through <clears throat> the tap room? As of now, it's through the tap room. Uh, there's no set plans to do anything. Uh, maybe down the road, we might do a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but right now, everything's through the tap room. And we're taking beer up the street and selling it at Tommy's, too. So Okay. Yeah, we guess um, that having a canning line would be really important at, at that scale because it would not be cost-effective at all to have Ironheart come in, no. like, to – to can seven, well, I mean, you wouldn't want to can the entire, yeah. well, you wouldn't get seven barrels. So whatever your yield is, you need to keg some, and then you can, I mean, for however, like two cases if you wanted to, yeah. I guess, you, you'd be able to fire up the canning line to to run off. How many cases do you typically do of a, of a beer? Anywhere typically between 20 and 60. Okay. All 16-ounce cans, all four packs. Which is how beer should be sold, because um, fits in a pint glass, right? Yeah, and it looks good for a picture on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> the most important. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I mean, typically I'll ask people to explain where the name of the brewery came from. I feel like it's like I'm not going to have to take a huge leap to no. figure out where. But this <laughs> wasn't our first. Their... This was not our first attempt at a name, though. Either we had we had submitted to for a trademark on a Civil Poor Brewing Company, and the government came back, and the U.S. Patent Trademark Office came back and said that's too close to civil life in what is it st louis missouri i believe and so we were denied okay yeah, i'm not sure I mean, yeah i mean yeah, there's, they, there's yeah, they rhyme and it's like <coughs> the, the the letters are really close to each other it's apparently really how it works distinguishable <laughs> in the offices there's one set of eyes that sees the yeah. application and that set of eyes determines the fate yeah so. i'm confused we can't have this <laughs> i thought you were gonna I, I literally thought you were gonna say like yeah we don't want to be in that close to civil war and there'll be so many things and uh, no that's so four score was then, then my brother actually tossed the name out and then i think we spent another good nine months or so trying to keep coming up with something else and then we just circled back to it so so were, you weren't in love with that name when you first i liked it i wasn't in love with it um so then we said, all right, let's just keep kicking this thing around and, and, and see what we can come up with. We wanted something that kind of tied back into the area. but You, you pretty know, much have to. Yeah, you can see <laughs> I don't – there's none of the names of our beers have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, that's just personal choice on, on our end. You know, we've been – we grew up in Gettysburg. Um, you know, the battle is who we are. When people say, where are you from? Gettysburg. Everybody knows where, everybody knows where Gettysburg is. Yeah. And there's plenty of that around. We just decided we wanted to just to stray a little bit farther away from that. But, you know, we kept the name with Fourscore, and you can see the uh, the logo as well. So, you know. Which I, I love <coughs> the logo. That did, did you guys do come up with that yourselves? No, or did we you did not. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we had no idea what to do. And we actually, I don't even know if I should tell you this, but we actually used one of those logo creator websites where like fiverr you, you buy no it was a 99 designs or something like okay that. yeah it's the same, yeah. same type you, of you yeah. pick a package and then you, yeah and then it was one of those things where like everything coming in we ran for two weeks i think it was and everything coming in just was not it everything coming in was not it. and then like 48 hours i think before it expired somebody submitted that and we were like winner right off the bat there was no questions asked after that when i came in it's genius yeah one it it'll work on anything it's like it's it's a simple enough logo no matter what you want to put it on it's going to work and it just looks cool mm -hmm. and there's no doubt looking at it you're like oh yeah abraham lincoln like it's it's just as obvious as the name and that it, like obviously works so i think that i i love both of them thank you um yeah so what i guess the the um none of the names do Go no, back I mean, to Gettysburg is the closest thing. Yeah, but so, I mean, still. But I, actually, I kind of commend you on that. That seems like that would have been the easy route to take to just make everything over the top, pandering to Gettysburg. We don't want to be a gimmick brewery. I mean, I think it's that easy. We just want to make good beer and be known for our good beer, not the names, not anything like that. Just good beer, good environment, good food. Just, you know, you come in, you have an experience, and you want to come back. You want to hang out there. You want it to be a place where you sit down and you stay for a few hours because you enjoy it. So that's been kind of the mentality, I think, of everything around. So playing off Absolutely. gimmicks just takes away from that. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're, like, just want to, like um – I can't think of anything to use as a specific example, but so much of it's like down in the outer banks where it like everything is just screams tourist. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was, I was wondering before too, when I asked you if your point of sale like keeps track of, cause I think they typically work off of 
the credit card and I'll let you know like what address, maybe not like the exact address, but it'll tell you the city and state. Yeah, yeah we had looked at the system that had the capability to do that, but Arrive does not. Because <clears throat> um, I think that would, that would be kind of interesting to know is like are the vast majority of your customers stopping in as just tourists, which I, I would think just is – a normal course of action there's going to be a lot of tourists oh yeah i mean or right in that section too you know we opened up at a, at a kind of a funny time for gettysburg too it was the very end of july july 31st was our first day open and then two weeks later school starts so the the running thought in gettysburg is that when school starts tour season kind of ends which it does for the most part i mean so we had two weeks of just pure craziness every day was just insane and then school starts and then the days kind of slowed down but a bit but the weekends are still pretty nutty uh, and, and, you know, I do see people that are that are familiar faces that, you know, are a little bit on the outer range of, you know, they're coming from Chambersburg or coming up from Maryland here, coming up from Frederick, uh, coming down from Harrisburg. I see those, I see them repeat customers that are a little farther out, which is mm-hmm. nice to see. And then we have, a, we're picking up a pretty good local following now too as well, so. The, uh, how far off of 15 are you? Ooh. Seven minutes. Five okay. miles, yeah. five, six miles in that neighborhood, not that far. Yeah. It, it's close. Close it's enough. Close. It's real close. Yeah. yeah, it's an easy trip too. I mean, you get off the first if you want to. You get off the first exit, take a left. You all you run straight into Tommy's that way, and then veer to the left, and the brew's right there. Okay, it's easy. It's a real easy trip. Um, is uh, Halloween time big in Gettysburg? Because I like I I went up there once, and my wife and I did like the haunted Gettysburg tours and stuff too. But I don't remember like how busy or crowded it was. So traditionally at Tommy's, October has become the second busiest month of the year in Gettysburg for us. Okay. And I would say that holds true down at the brewery now as well. Uh, it's been a crazy month, and uh, it's it's it cools off. Um, you know, it's just a really good time to come visit. It's not quite as crowded, but it's the crowds are still there. So, yeah, October has been nuts. Yeah, because that, that, I guess the, the whole how haunted the area is. It's the ghost tours, in. and, and yeah. then there's a big, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, the Apple Harvest Festival is, is in Adams County as well, and that fills up the hotels for the first two weekends. Okay. Uh, the, the third weekend, all, all the hotels were completely full on the weekend in Gettysburg. Every single one of them was for the entire month of October. So well, that's, uh, so it, it seems like opening there will work out as well as Trogues opening up next to Hershey Park. We hope so. We hope so. Be. We'll find out when uh, May rolls around next year, you know, and as, 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 as our name is filtered out there and people become more aware, we still get folks that are coming to town. I just discovered you because I saw you on Google and I'm here to visit for the weekend. All right. Thanks for coming in. Um, do you have plans to distribute into maryland or out to other we would like to send some beer down into maryland obviously because ben has a reputation you know he's ben's yeah. pretty well known in, in the maryland brewing world and the maryland beer drinker world so we we would like to do that um we kind of opened up and got shot out of a cannon and some of those the backside of those things are, are, are not that easy to figure out yeah I've, I've heard that it is not easy to uh sell beer into maryland <laughs> We can self-distribute here. Um, that's the nice side of things. So that's really well, I guess not, that has made yeah, it a lot easier That's now. not that bad, you know, in terms of especially what we're trying to do in terms of, you know, one day potentially very limited distribution. Yeah. Um, a couple kegs here or there yeah. at select yeah, locations. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's taxes and tracking. <laughs> yeah. Taxes and tra- taxing, I think, because we would end up having to pay some sort of Maryland tax. And then the, the Pennsylvania has 
it's easy to get a brewer's license in Pennsylvania, but it's the other stuff that's not quite as easy that they don't really tell you ahead of time. They say, you have a brewer's license. You can go brew beer. And then it's, you know, it's like, well, then they come down and say, well, are, are you tracking your raw goods inventory and, you know, down to the amount of ounces that are headed somewhere? It's the same one we just drank. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just going to go with that one. But. Well, I mean, I can always drink more Pilsner. I can, I, I guess I could handle a double. <laughs> yeah, so that's the I just that's kept the looking stuff. over and seeing triple. I'm like, there's no way I'm drinking a triple IPA. That's the <laughs> stuff can, we had to get caught up on and. Once we get caught up on all that stuff, which we're getting there now, finally, um, you know, Maryland's definitely on the horizon. So, I mean, it's been a struggle to keep up too. I have three empty tanks right now, and that's been with me brewing and canning nonstop for what three weeks straight now. Yeah, really, just you know, five days, whatever it takes to get it done, just so I can have the weekends off. But it, it's been a struggle just to keep up. You know, so what the heck are you doing down here, wasting your time with me? <laughs> <laughs> he has, Ben has definitely put some long hours in there. Uh, there is no doubt about that. You know, we get an alert on our – we get a text message when the uh, the alarm system at the brewery gets set or turned off. And I see, it, you know, it gets turned on at the 12.31 a.m. And he was in there at 8.30 a.m. So it, there's definitely been some long days for Ben, no doubt about that. Well, yeah, I mean, as one person doing it all, that's a that's – a, it's a lot of tanks to fill and tap lines to keep yeah. flowing. Because we also have we, – we serve out – we have – Bright tanks dedicated to serving too, so I have seven bright tanks in there to keep fill. Oh, this smells amazing. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it, it's a lot of things to keep going. It's most you know cleaning, transferring, just getting beer ready, stuff like that. Canning beer, I can you know twenty thirty case runs I do by myself, you know, and that takes you know a couple hours said and done to get that stuff yeah. done. But it's not the only thing I have to do that day. So yeah, this is really good. Thank you. Is this a regular or is this just a one off? No. Yeah, it's a one off that we just put out this past weekend. It's a uh, Citra and Galaxy. Uh, double IPA um, called Double Standard. That's good. I don't know if Ben will say, but these two, these two beers that we just put out last weekend are probably some of the best hoppy stuff that, that he's made so far. Yeah, this easily I, the the aroma. Of this is amazing. I like that. Um, do you, so are you serving other beers at Tommy's now too, or just four score? Four score and uh, anything made in Pennsylvania. Okay, that's how our licensing is set up. So, so give me some detail on the recent controversy of the the PA uh, beer tax. Ooh, <laughs> no one really knows where it came from. Everybody can take a, a guess as to how this was. The state just all of a sudden decided they were going to tax beer sold in tap rooms when they hadn't done it forever uh, okay so that's what that's what the big difference is it's only it's beer brewed in pennsylvania and served in the tap room right any brewery okay. that's serving beer in their tap room now has a tax applied to it and they're calling it a use tax and not an actual drink tax because uh philadelphia and allegheny counties have drink taxes so they couldn't double dip on them because okay. then, the, then the counties would turn around and sue the state. Yeah. I mean, it's a use tax. There's no use involved. It's obviously a drink tax. Yeah. But the state Dude, decided. I'm not using this. <laughs> the, the, the state decided that they were going to come after that slice of the pie, and and that's what they did. And the uh, the Brewers of Pennsylvania Guild did a, a really good job at putting up a fight. Um, it was going to be 6% across the board. They got that reduced down to a, an equation of uh, it's 6% on a quarter of all the sales in the tap room. 
Yeah. So you have to, you know, you got to look at your sales, your beer sales. So now you have to take a quarter. To <laughs> yeah. So I think somehow, somewhere along the way, somebody figured out that, that was that would amount to about the same amount that that bars and clubs and stuff are paying whenever a distributor brings them alcohol. So. Yeah, that's 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 what it is. It is what it is. And you weren't allowed you weren't allowed to list it on your on a receipt either. So when a customer, a lot of folks raised prices, some folks didn't. But whenever they would get a receipt, you weren't allowed to put on there that this was an actual use tax. Okay, you just <laughs> you just had to hide it. Just, in if you were raising the price, yeah. Because so it's only on a it's on the qu- the first quarter. Or you just quarter take your sales, your sales for that month, and it's a okay. quarter of those sales. Okay. It's one and so, a half percent. No, it's six percent on a quarter of your sales. I believe is what it was. I don't. <laughs> it's Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's Pennsylvania has this weird mishmash of super friendly and super yes. hostile yes, rules. They do. It's so weird. It is. It is very weird. Um, yeah, the uh, the owner of um, East End Brewing was posting a lot about that tax over the time. Yeah, he was pretty vocal. Um, my laziness prevented me from like ever actually reading into it. I figured I would just talk to someone eventually in person that could explain it to me. So I know that they've been pressed. That like the Treasury Department has been pressed. Where did this directive come from? And it's they won't data just don't answer. So again, everybody can kind of put two and two together and figure out. Who was behind this? Well, yeah, it's the well. Wait, are the, yeah, there are distributors in Maryland, but the, I mean in Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's a three tier system. Then there are. Was is every county? Uh, oh no! Wait, the the state only sells liquor, right? Not um, beer. Okay, I'm trying to remember because I just, again, it's Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they can buy six packs at grocery stores. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, but it's cool. Like if you wanted to sell wine and maybe you do, I don't know, at four score, you would be allowed to, if it was made in Pennsylvania. Actually, we can at four score. Oh, <laughs> it's another, <laughs> it's another licensing. So we owned, and this is maybe going off topic a little bit here, but when There's we were no at, off topic at Tommy's, here. we already had a, uh, we had an e-license, what they call an eating establishment license in Pennsylvania. And there's not a whole lot of those left because when Pennsylvania did a reform of the liquor code back in 2000. 16, I guess it was, if you had an e-license, which only allowed you to serve beer, that was it, nothing else. Okay. You could pay the state $30,000 and upgrade to an R license, which was a full-on retail. You could serve whatever you want. Okay. We didn't do that at Tommy's because we didn't want to get into the business of serving liquor. It's pretty. It's just that simple. We didn't have the yeah. space to hold bottles. We didn't have the space to have a whole bunch of you know smaller classes and, and have these cocktail mixes and everything else that you would need to do that. Yeah. So we weren't allowed to, that was another whole big process of trying to figure this out is in the state of Pennsylvania, you're not allowed to hold one type of license at a location and a separate license, different license at a different location. They called it uh, the prohibition of interlocking business. So the way around that was to take our license at Tommy's, transfer it down to Fourscore, and then form what they call a couplet. So because we never made our E license and our license, we're still an E, we can't okay. sell. So all of the beer made at the brewery is sold through our e-license, basically. Okay. So then because we're still an e, we can't serve oh. any, any liquor or wine. But we can now. So we turned around and, and licensed uh, Tommy's as a brewery storage facility. We could sell that there if we wanted to. We could sell PA wines, PA liquor, PA beer at okay. Tommy's. It's crazy. 
It's Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's the only thing well, I can just tell people. It's just uh, Pennsylvania. Ma- Maryland isn't all that much better. <laughs> there, there are different weird things. Although Maryland is slowly going towards making sense. So Pennsylvania is inching that way. I had just spoke with our lawyer the other week, and he said uh, there's talk now of just actually rewriting the entire liquor code. So they who, keep who talking knows? about like wanting to do that in Maryland too, but from what I what I've been told that it's it's a lot easier to just say that than to. Yeah. <laughs> than I, I, I'm to, sure I can imagine that. Um, so uh, I, I I I like to every once in a while I'll take this as my opportunity to complain about things in my life. Uh, so I know <laughs> Graham rolls his eyes and shakes his head. <laughs> you um I know you are taking your kids trick or treating today, right? Or are you someplace uh, that changed where? I don't know yet. I haven't looked at my phone since okay. we walked in here. I haven't seen whether or not Gettysburg has canceled trick or treat for the evening. So is is Gettys does Gettysburg itself plan when the trick or treating and yeah. stuff is yes. okay? The so the borough does, yeah, yeah. So in in Frederick, uh, the city no the what? I know that's what I was about okay. to say. Right. In Frederick, they neither encourage or condone trick or treating within the city, per <laughs> the mayor's office. But I've do you, do you live in a, uh, an area with like a, a planned community with an HOA and stuff? Or no, uh, huh? I live out in the uh, woods. Uh, <laughs> smart. Um, so I live in a, a fairly large development, and there's a community Facebook page, and it is just, it's maddening sometimes <laughs> reading the things. About, I've been kicked out of it before for, <laughs> for for making geese jokes because there's a lake in our community and people like to complain about the geese. So I just went on a couple months where I blamed anything that happened on geese <laughs> and I didn't appreciate that humor. Um, so there's been a lot of complaining about what, what are we supposed to do with our kids if it's raining and and has it never rained on Halloween before? Like I, man, going back, I, I it snowed like five I, years ago, but I, I, I don't know. Like that's I a great like, question. I feel like people are just losing their minds <clears throat> because there's the potential of of rain and wind <laughs> this evening, and so there, like, there's this intense debate, and it's amazing how divisive it is. Oh, the, like. The people who just want to tell everyone how like how much of a snowflake they are because yeah. they don't want their kids walking out, and then there's the people that are like what that they themselves don't want to get wet walking their kids around. And the way I look at it, I'm be sitting in my garage with beer and a bucket of candy no matter <laughs> what happens because my, my I sit at the house giving out the candy. And my wife walks around with our daughters. But it, it's just crazy. So one person emailed the mayor to find out because everyone also, like, they can't figure out if we're going to have, if it's going to change. So they emailed the mayor, and that's when we found out that Frederick no, does not condone Interesting. trick-or-treating. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was like, extremely yeah, the, weird. the debate rages up by us as well. Uh, a couple <laughs> of the municipalities have canceled or rescheduled, and, and some are, haven't said a word. And I guess the fire department – in the borough of Gettysburg used to like uh, hang out at the intersections, just make sure the kids could get around. And 
last night they made a post on Facebook said that we're not going to do that. You can come to the fire department. We'll hand out candy, but we're not going to hang out in the rain either. And then everyone was like, well, if the fire department's doing it, why why is the borough still? <laughs> and it's just one big thing after another right now. What's what someone had posted in, in the community group that Hagerstown changed theirs. So they're just going to go there. All of you have fun. uh walking around in a thunderstorm <laughs> and like the first reply was like well that's a really strange flex uh have fun <laughs> so i mean i guess if if you're in frederick you could uh get although this won't come out for a while but you could have gone to hagerstown tomorrow when it's cold and dry yes and ben you don't have I'm kids so you don't I, care no no <laughs> i'm gonna go have mark somewhere or something like that you know <laughs> regular thursday night stuff so the how how often are you doing can releases? It seems like fairly often, right? We're typically on the once a month side of things right now. We'll throw something else in there where it makes sense because yeah. again, like having that flexibility and have if something comes up and something plays out where it works well, then we do it. You know, it's the nice thing about being small and doing it all on site. We kind of answer to ourselves. So when a good idea pops up, a good can label pops up for it or whatever, we make it happen. And so you're not canning everything you make, right? No, no, no. We're not canning everything we make. We basically keep, we try to keep our Hop Hat IPA around, our Getty's Brow Pilsner around, our Fix Coffee Brown Ale, and our Timekeeper Double IPA, which has been tough to actually keep in. It's just kind of a standard nod. I don't even have any of that here. I'm canning it what Tuesday. Did, what, and what was this? Oh, that's one of my pride and joys right there. Yeah, uh, so we're not opening this. Oh. <laughs> Actually, this this might be a trick-or-treating one. This will get me through that, whatever weather throws me at tonight. We'll do that. <laughs> that will get you through anything. Uh, it's a Cuban coffee-inspired imperial stout. Okay. So it's um, we used some Vietnamese Robusto coffee um, that was brought in for us by our, our partners at Ragged Edge, which is basically across the street. So he roasted that up just for us. Um, it's inspired by Cuban coffee, so it's got that big... Almost espresso-like shot to it, but also nice. a nice kind of uh, caramelly, dark fruity undertone because, you know, Cuban coffee, sugar goes in the pot, it gets cooked, it gets caramelized. Um, it's got some lactose into it, so it brings some sweetness, but the coffee balances it and dries it out enough to where it's not, you know, too cloying or too over Very the top. nice. Yeah. This is, uh, this is Chris sitting and handing out candy, drinking beer. The aroma <laughs> is pretty intense on that one. They're real intense on that one, actually. And there was also not a hint of alcohol in that beer at 13.9%. It's crazy. That's dangerous. That's one of those ones where like, you let someone have a couple and like, oh, by the way, go take that easy. That's 13. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the triple IPA is pretty much the same. It's 10.6, uh -huh. but the booze just does not show itself. So how how do you do that? What Because uh, it, it's amazing the stark difference between different breweries where – um, like Midnight Run is one of those places. Have you been there? I have not. I have so, not, but I'm familiar with. Yeah. So everything they 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 lowered a couple to like seven or eight percent, but everything else is just over the top ABV. But I don't know that I've ever had a beer there where you can tell. But then there's some places that make a ten percent IPA super boozy. So what what do you what's done differently to hide that alcohol? I think it's a combination of things. It's, uh, you know, understanding your yeast, understanding, you know, the environment in which it kind of is in, you know, our, our tanks, um, they hold a lot of pressure during fermentation. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, also just, you know, building your recipe, knowing your ingredients, knowing your final outcome, knowing how they play together. I think there's a, it's not one simple answer of, Hey, this makes beer not so boozy, but it's that combination of just knowing everything entailed and just keep an eye on it. Don't just like, 
set your, you know, temperature control at 68 degrees and walk away. It's uh, making sure that you understand what your yeast does in that environment and keeping it contained and keeping it, you know, keeping it happy um, and just making sure that you're, you're putting everything in the right environment to give what you're looking for out of it. Sometimes you want that booziness. Sometimes you want that heat. Sometimes you just want something easy, smooth, and, uh, you know, just well made, easy to drink. I mean, everybody wants something different. There's different intents. So I think with us, we, I don't like boozy beers. I don't like things Neither that do punch I. me in the Same face. Here. Some people love to be punched in the face with that stuff, and that's their 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 call and their take on it. So yeah. they make them that way. I don't. Yeah, I I like to try it, look, and be like, "Holy crap! How is that possibly that strong?" Yeah, yeah. This was one of those ones where I took. It was funny because I'm like, "This is gonna be 14 percent," then it was, and it's like, I had to go back and look through my calculations, look through my gravity readings, and I'm one? like, <laughs> "Yeah, I, I missed something here." And then I'm like, "Oh wait, no, it's 13.9. It's not 14." So I did it right. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't wait to try that when it's safe for me too. Um, so speaking of boozy, uh, unless is there anything that uh, I've missed that you guys want to talk about? I can't think of anything. You got anything? No, I don't think I have anything either. So it looks like you guys are going to be the last ones that get the sneak peek of this before it comes out in December. Nice. Um, this is a whiskey that I made with McClintock. It's a um, single malt. Well, it can't legally be called a whiskey, but. It's a single malt. It was vapor-infused with Meridian and UK Golding hops. Nice. Um, this was only in a barrel for, I think, two months, but in a small barrel. Uh, in December, the finished product that was aged in a normal-sized barrel for just shy of two years will be released. Um, on December 7th at McClintock's uh, third anniversary party? Second anniversary... I don't remember at, at some sort of anniversary, anniversary party. party. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for coming down and sharing your beer with me. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.